the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Yes, it is. It's the Nick D Podcast right here on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I am your host, Nick DeGilio. It is episode number 55, uh, dropping on a Tuesday. How are uh, you doing? Hope you're doing well. Hey, we would love you to be a part of this podcast. Can't do it without you. And we really want your feedback, your questions, your comments, anything that you want to say, any thoughts that you have. Share them with us anytime you want. Leave a voicemail for us, 773-417-6948. 773-417-6948. Questions, comments, any feedback you have, leave that voicemail. Drop us an email anytime you want. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs, as usual, for the great themes and the sounds and the songs and the goofiness that you hear. In addition to uh, being a part of the podcast, if you want to be a sponsor with this podcast, if you would like to advertise with us, we would love you to, to be a part of that. And uh, you know what? Uh, a lot of people listen, so you will reach a lot of people. If you do that. So be a sponsor. Advertise here. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Drop them a line. Say, hey, I have a company. I have a business. I want to be a sponsor. I want to advertise on the Nick D podcast because I want a lot of people to hear that. And you will get a lot of people to hear it. So contact us. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Coming up on uh, this uh, episode of the podcast, a regular visit. We had Bonus Feinberg last week. Uh, to talk uh, exclusively about the Emmy nominations. Now it's our regular visit, our bi-weekly visit with Deanne Feinberg from The Hollywood Reporter and The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. We're going to talk about all things TV-related and more. Uh, And Esmeralda Leon uh, is my partner in crime. She's going to join me. We're speaking of TV. We're going to jump into the TV topic with her because I've got an article that features some of the, an article about the worst TV shows of all time. So I'll talk with Esmeralda about what she thinks are some of the worst shows ever. I'll talk about some of my uh, least favorites, and we'll get into that article as well. Worst TV shows ever. We're going to talk about some scary facts from the book. Are you shitting me? Facts that will scare you to death. And uh, we will also welcome my dad, who will uh, show up to tell a joke. Because every other, uh, or, sorry, every single Tuesday, every uh, first episode of the week, my dad sh- stops by to tell a joke. He's been telling jokes his whole life. Uh, and uh, we love to have him tell jokes. So cheer it up, cheer up the world. My dad will tell a joke a little bit later on, and uh, and that's all uh, coming up on the uh, episode today. Also, want to mention Flashback Weekend. It is uh, we are almost a week away from Flashback Weekend. It's August fifth through the seventh at the uh, the Hyatt Regency at O'Hare, and it is the best horror convention ever. I have been part of it. Uh, a host, uh, you know, uh, an MC. I introduce stars. I do movie previews and all kinds of stuff there. I've been a part of the Flashback Weekend for all 20 years. I've been a part of it. I missed last year, and it was canceled in 2020, but I'm back this year doing all of the duties that I normally do, including hosting Q&As and being an MC and hanging out and running around and doing all kinds of and introducing movies and all kinds of stuff, and just hanging out in general with all of the great folks who come out to have fun that weekend. Well, I will be there. 
along with a ton of other uh, great uh, celebrities, including Robert England, the uh, you know the one and only Freddy Krueger. Uh, PJ Souls is going to be there. Alex Winter from Bill and Ted uh, is going to be there. Uh, Robert Carradine. Uh, the list goes on and on. And, and of course, our good buddy Rich Coes, the very first um, uh, guest on this very podcast. Sven Gulli will be there. He will be signing autographs and taking pictures and doing all kinds of cool stuff. And he will be hosting the Sinister Visions costume contest. And we'll, I will introduce him and hang out with him. Uh, and it's always an incredible highlight. For me, it's the highlight of the entire weekend is Rich doing the uh, the great costume contest because he's hilarious on stage and I get to hang out with him. I get to introduce him. So I'm very excited about it to get to see Rich. I haven't seen Rich in the flesh in a while. So it'll be great to hang out with him and introduce him and do all the fun stuff that we do every year at the Flashback. Plus, Esmeralda will be there for the first time ever. And we are co-hosting, as we always do, my podcast live from the Flashback Convention at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare. It'll be on Saturday, August 6th. Saturday, August 6th, in the afternoon. Don't know the exact time yet. They're working out the schedule because they've got Q&As and screenings and all kinds of other really amazing events that are happening. So they're working the schedule out now, finalizing it. But uh, my podcast will be uh, recorded live at the uh, Flashback Convention on Saturday, August 6th. So make sure you get your tickets. We want you to be there and be a part of it. You can meet me. You can meet Esmeralda. You can be a part of the live podcast. We're going to have, an, you know, we're going to have mics in the audience to, to take questions, do a little Q&A with the audience. PJ Souls and John Michael Graham, both of the stars of the original Halloween, are going to be up on stage with us as part of the live podcast. So, uh, and on top of that, there'll be surprises and all kinds of really cool stuff. And we want you to be there. Be a part of the very first live Nick D podcast that we ever do. And we're so excited and so thrilled and honored to be a part of that at the Flashback Weekend, which is one of the greatest weekends ever. Uh, you should come out to the Flashback Weekend and, uh, you know, go to the vendor room and buy all the cool stuff and see all the, uh, the great uh, exhibits and, uh, and, and, and hang out with the stars and get your pictures and autographs and all that cool stuff. Midnight screenings and parties and all kinds of cool stuff. I'll be hosting a bunch of cool stuff. Plus, we will be doing our podcast live. And we want all of you, everybody who is subscribing, all the listeners, to show up and say, hey, we are Nick D Podcast fans and we're going to pack the place. We'll be in the big ballroom. So get out there and be a part of it. Be a part of the very first recording of a live Nick D podcast. It's going to be very special and very, very cool. Again, that specific thing, the live recording of the podcast, will be on Saturday afternoon, August 6th. All of this takes place at the um, Hyatt Regency O'Hare. Um, and you can get your tickets now at uh, flashbackweekend.com, flashbackweekend.com. So get your tickets now, and we will see you. It's August 5th through the 7th, the entire weekend of great horror activities and lots of fun. And on Saturday afternoon, be a part of that live podcast. It's going to be great, and I really, really want you all to come out and let's pack the place and make sure you say hi to me and Esmeralda. And Esmeralda will be here in a little bit. But first, we're going to say hello to, oh, uh, wait a minute. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I love you too, Carrie. You're the best. All right. Um, so, uh, and by the way, thank you so much for all of the, um, the, uh, emails and voicemails that we get. Um, I've, I've been sharing some of the emails that we've been getting with Esmeralda because we've been doing, we stopped doing our taste test. We ran out of the weird flavored candy. So we stopped doing the taste test and we've been getting uh, a lot of feedback from people about suggesting what we should taste test next. Go to a certain restaurant, go to a fast food place. What places out there should Esmeralda uh, and I go to, to taste test some of your favorite or some of the weirdest stuff you've ever eaten? We want to hear about that. And we got a bunch of emails. We're going to go through uh, some of them. I've been sending them to, uh, to Esmeralda. So with your suggestions on what Esmeralda and I should taste next, send them now. 
Email nickdpodcast at gmail.com or leave them all on a voicemail that we want to hear from you. Voicemails all the time. Leave them. 773-417-6948. All right. Uh, before I say hello to Dan Feinberg and talk TV, I, can, I, I, I just say to you, you know what? Congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackal. Dan Feinberg. Ah, yes. Dan Feinberg uh, joins us every uh, couple of weeks, although we did have bonus Feinberg this uh, this past week, which was nice. Dan was kind enough to uh, do a little bonus addition uh, with us to talk uh, Emmys. Uh, so, Dan, it's only been a week since we spoke last. How are you? I'm fine, but what is the absence of absence making the heart grow fonder? What is what is it when the lack of absence makes the heart go eh? <laughs> well, that's not true. No, no, no. I'm just I'm just saying that maybe your that maybe some of your listeners will be like, ah, oh, God, didn't we get him last week? I really yeah. thought that this was going to be a, a Feinberg free Tuesday <laughs> podcast, but I, my apologies to those listeners. No, they're fine with that. They love you. Everybody loves you. <laughs> so, uh, welcome back, and uh, and all that uh, cool stuff, and uh, lots of uh, TV to talk about as always. And, uh, you know, for people who, you know, might not be shocked by this, we actually do record this ahead of time. And it is uh, Monday, the 25th of uh, July right now. And um, and we found out uh, a couple of classic uh, sort of character actors, great actors, passed away that the announcements came within hours of one another. <sighs> um, and it's just continuing, uh, you know, to, to have some really sad uh, passings in the world of television and entertainment and, and film and so on and so forth. And uh, we are saddened to report that uh, David Warner and Paul Servino, it was both announced that they passed away today. And I thought we would talk a little bit about uh, their work and not just in TV, which we can talk about, obviously, because you're the TV guy. And by the way, it's the fine print and the Hollywood reporter, F I E N fine print. Uh, but I thought we could talk a little bit about uh, those guys. Why don't we start with, uh, let's start with uh, Paul Servino. Huh. And it's it has been a brutal couple of weeks, particularly in the world of mob and mafioso storytelling yeah. Uh, yeah. between Ray Liotta last month and uh, then Tony Sirico from The Sopranos last mm-hmm. week of the week before and and now with Paul Sorvino you know so all all and of James the Kahn. and James Con oh god and yes man and certainly and James Con so yeah. those are those are like the stars of some of the most absolutely pivotal central genre pieces of storytelling in recent decades and 
Yeah, and yet my first thought when I hear Paul Sorvino, my second thought, my first thought is him cutting garlic with the yeah, razor course, blade. That is that that is my first thought. But then my second thought is Mira Sorvino winning the Oscar and thanking him and him sobbing in yeah. the audience. And yeah. just what a a lovely sweet moment that was and how great it was that he was able to experience that moment and that you know, just a, a guy who very clearly audiences thought of as being this tough guy was perfectly happy to say, yep, my daughter's up there winning an Oscar. I am going to sob on national TV and you can't stop me. Right. So yeah. memorable, obviously a, a very memorable moment. Now, in the world of TV, uh, uh, he's done he's done regular, uh, you know, uh, television in the past and uh, was as appeared as a there was a show called Pauly that he was on <laughs> he he was indeed i don't think anyone is going to associate that with <laughs> With him, I think yeah. people are are more likely on the television front going to associate Law and Order, of, of course. course, with him. And he was he was one of the, the central figures. I, I always get my law and my order side of things confused, but he was on the the police side of yes, things. He was. he was an NYPD Blue character, and yeah, he was he was one of the central figures of of that series of the original series. And it's sort of sad slash funny that the show continues to. Not really funny at all. Definitely much more sad or vaguely ironic. How many of the people who were the most pivotal to that show aren't with us anymore? And yet the show was resurrected last year and renewed. So apparently you you don't need Jerry Orbach or, or Paul Sorvino to actually sell a Law & Order show. You just have to be aware that for many, many, many viewers, those are the first two actors who anyone will think of when it comes yeah. to those shows. And there's the melancholy that comes from their not being with us anymore. I remember back in the day when um, Law & Order was essentially on A&E all the time and that was back you know you know before all the offshoots you know uh it was just like the old school law and order and those first few seasons that were on repeat you could watch law and order 15 times a day on a and e back in the uh back in the you know mid to late 90s uh, and those were the times when you would like Paul Servino would show up every hour on a and e as part of as part of the law and order uh, marathons he just was such a very, very, very distinctive figure in every way. Just such a quintessential tough guy, but also very able to play opposite and against that as a type. And he did so many other things. So it's not like, you know, with Tony Sirico, largely he was known for playing different mobsters and yeah. that was yeah, yeah. what he was known for and partially because that was his life also and so right. that was built into how we viewed him and and that was not the case with Paul Sorvino he was you know he he grew up and studied acting then he was an actor mm -hmm. uh but yeah no just uh belo beloved and even beloved when he was being threatening and tough guys and I didn't watch Goodfellas after Ray Liotta died it may it may be time this weekend to to do yeah. a good rewatch on Goodfellas because yeah. it never hurts to no <laughs> to rewatch Goodfellas absolutely and all, and also I mean you know like some of the other stuff that uh, that I wanted to mention that Sorvino did that just to you know outside of like being a big sort of imposing gangster or a cop which he played in a lot of things um, but there are a couple of films. I, I do want to mention some of the work that he did with Warren Beatty just because I adore Warren Beatty and I love him. 
Um, I love Paul Servino in Reds. I think he's fantastic in Reds. Uh, same year he did Goodfellas. He appeared in Dick Tracy. Um, and I think he's terrific in Bullworth. I, so the work that he did with Warren Beatty, and I'm just, I happen to be a, an unhealthy Warren Beatty obsessive. And so, like, I wanted to mention those. Um, he wasn't afraid to do a lot of schlock either. Like, he was in Larry Cohen's hilarious um, uh, yogurt, killer yogurt movie, The Stuff. And he's great in that. There's a lot of fun in that. Uh, very funny in Oh God. There's an appearance in, uh, in, in Oh God that I think is really funny. Um, uh, I don't remember much about Romeo and Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann version, except that uh, Paul Servino, who plays Capuletta in it, the, the leader of the Capulet family, uh, sweats a lot. That's the only thing I remember. <laughs> is that, is that I mean, sort of, it's, it's set in Miami, and so, yeah. you know, and there's, and there's a lot of high-intensity stuff going on. What I remember is that he acquitted himself very well with the Shakespeare of it, so... yeah. No, no, I, yeah, I just, I, I just, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I kind of hate everything that Boz Lerman has ever done, and I am aware. <laughs> and the only thing that I remember about that is that Paul Servino sweat a lot. I just remember that. Um, but I, but um, I, you know, he's actually really good in cruising, which I know a lot of people don't say many good things about that movie, but I liked him in that. Uh, he's in, he's in one of James Conn's best uh, acting vehicles. He's in The Gambler uh, with him, and he's good in that. And the one that I wanted to mention that no one will ever mention. Oh, wait. He's also, he got nominated for a SAG Award for uh, playing Henry Kissinger in, in Oliver Stone's Nixon. Yeah, he was great. He was he great. Was fr- at, fantastic. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's such a great, uh, you know, ensemble in general in that movie. But he was fantastic in that yeah. movie. But I wanted to mention, and it's a schlocky movie. <laughs> um, but it's the only time he's ever unapologetically played like uh, a a romantic lead in a schlocky romantic movie. John G. Albertson directed. It's called Slow Dancing in the Big City. Um, and in it, he plays a schlub who falls in love with a ballerina who's got terminal cancer. Um, and the last guy on earth who you would expect to play that part is Paul Servino. And yet, it's, he's, it's a really sort of wonderful performance in a, you know, in a, in a very schmaltzy film. Um, but you know, the last guy that you would think would play sort of this lovable guy who is just distraught over the fact that his ballerina love is dying was Paul Servino and he pulls it off. He's really good at it. Definitely not one that I've seen, but apparently that was the, that was the movie John Appleton made immediately after Rocky, yep. which go figure though. I guess if you, based on your description, I can see some similarities between yes. the two projects. So yeah. But he's, it, it's one of those movies where it's like, wait, that's Paul Servino? What? Because you think Paulie immediately. You know, uh, <laughs> that's the first thing you think of when you think of Paul Servino. And yet he's got that soft side to him, which we've seen, you know, and then saw on display, as you mentioned, uh, at the Academy Awards when uh, Mira Servino won. So. And I have, def- I have definitely watched that clip a couple times today yeah, because yeah. it's just so very sweet. It is beautiful. Uh, so it's sad. Paul Servino is gone. And then uh, David Warner, who I got to say, one of my favorite actors, uh, one of my favorite consistently great sort of character actors. I happened to, at, you know, at a very young age, become obsessed with all things British. Um, and I became obsessed with David Warner at a very young age. Uh, I believe it was right after I saw him get his head cut off in The Omen, where I was like, okay, this guy is the coolest, and he has the best death the best kill in The Omen is the glass cutting off David Warner's head. I loved him in that. And then uh, I went back and watched Straw Dogs at a much too young age. <laughs> at a much too young age. And then since that, 
since that time became completely obsessed with him. What are what are your thoughts on on Warner, who did a lot of TV uh, as well? He did. I, I mean, if you want to talk about an actor who embraced doing schlock, heaven knows oh, man. David Warner embraced yeah. doing schlock, but yeah. also embraced doing a tremendous. Um, I mean, he was he was a Royal Shakespeare Company thespian, so he had both the capability of adding gravitas and British respectability to a lot of really really horrible projects yeah yeah yeah. yeah. but uh, but also to a lot of really good things you mentioned straw dogs he is unsettling and terrifying in straw dogs he is disturbing and as you say has unquestionably the the greatest of the deaths in the omen yep uh and then just all of these movies that he was the star in that he added his credibility to, whether it was Time Bandits, a movie that probably doesn't work without him, or Time After Time, which surely relies heavily on on his that, that's, grounding it. That's my that's my favorite David Warner performance. And, oh, wait, I think and, I think on performance of, level, yeah, yeah, and one of my favorite movies. I love Time After Time. I love that movie, huh. and and I really do. And I have a soft spot in my heart for it. And I just love the scenes with him and Malcolm McDowell. And there's a scene that plays so potently even now where, uh, you know, for people who don't know, it's a time travel movie where H.G. Wells, according to this movie in real life, not only wrote a book called The Time Machine, but he actually constructed one. And he happens to be best friends with a guy he doesn't know happens to be Jack the Ripper. And Jack the Ripper takes the time machine, goes to modern day 1979, San Francisco, and H.G. Wells follows him there. And they have, you know, and it's about H.G. Wells trying to bring... Um, a Jack the Ripper to justice in modern day, you know, fish out of water, all that kind of wacky stuff that time travel stuff goes through. The great Nicholas Meyer made the movie and um, everything in Star Trek four, speaking of uh, connection with David Warner, everything in Star Trek four, the whole whale thing that was co-written by Nicholas Meyer. They essentially gave him credit because they basically remade time after time with that movie. Um, and, and there's a scene in the movie where Malcolm McDowell first makes his presence known in modern day at, the hotel room that Jack the Ripper is staying at David Warner. And he's like, I'm taking you back. And you know, David Warner basically has a monologue about how Jack the Ripper belongs in modern day America. And he turns on the TV and they flip the channels to shootings and killings and stuff, war and things like that. And you watch that thing. Now you watch that scene now and you're like, Oh my God, Oh my God, this movie's over 40 years old. And this scene is more timely now than it was back in 1979. Um, and I love that movie on every level, but man, he's good in that uh, in time after time. But he, as as you say, he did a he did a ton of of television of various qualities again because everything he did was of wildly varying qualities. But yeah. he, like so many people, appeared on Doctor Who because he was a British actor, and so he had to. He had a couple <laughs> episodes on Penny Dreadful where he played Abraham Helsing. Ben Helsing. Yes, yes. That was fun. You mentioned yeah. obviously the time after time Jack the Ripper uh thing, but he was uh he played a rabbi of all things on on Ripper Street, which was uh, a hit and miss. Mm -hmm. uh, drama that I believe was either BBC America or something to that effect. No, dude just did a tremendous amount of work and generally was really, really good in it. Yeah. Uh, though I suspect I've probably not seen a lot of his uh, most paycheck-y of paycheck roles. Yeah. That would be my well, guess. <laughs> just to, to close out the TV stuff, he was in a few episodes. He had a recurring character for a few episodes on Twin Peaks, uh, which was fun. He was in Wild Palm, speaking of... Uh, 
of uh, David Lynch. Um, he was in a few episodes of that, or a few parts of that miniseries. Uh, he was in one of the episodes was directed by Catherine Bigelow that he was in as well. He worked with Carpenter, John Carpenter on a couple of things. He did the TV series Body Bags. He was also in In the Mouth of Madness. Uh, people probably remember him a lot from Titanic, although I don't uh, remember much of Titanic. <laughs> um, and of course, Tron, you know, I mean. Um, but here's a paycheck one for you if you want to have a laugh here, Dan, because he's so, he, he's so conv- you know, the thing about it, he's always committed. No matter what piece of crap he's in, he always gives 100%. And do you remember the movie, Dan, do you remember the movie Nightwing? Vaguely. Okay. Nightwing <laughs> is a, the, the, the hack of all hacks, Arthur Hiller directed it. And it is a horror movie based on a bestseller. Came out in the summer of 1979. And it's about bats. And it's about, oh my God, bats are killing everybody. And Nick Mancuso was the lead um, in it. And David Warner was the British bat expert. So every scene he had, he would walk out and go, do you realize that bats urinate formaldehyde? You know, he would do stuff like, (laughs) like every scene, there was some fact about bats that only David Warner, the bat expert, knew. And it's hilarious to watch. It was always one of my favorites because the movie's terrible. And I, I saw it multiple times because one of my favorite horror movies is this movie called Phantasm. In the summer of 1979, I went to the theater to see it as many times as possible, and many times it was on the double bill with stuff like Nightwing and Prophecy. and So I would end up seeing Phantasm, staying for whatever the other movie was, and seeing Phantasm again. And as a result, I've seen Nightwing multiple times. <laughs> I, I believe I actually, as I'm, as I'm glancing at the description of it, I believe yeah. I've seen it. And there are some strange credits on yeah. Nightwing. I don't, I don't know how well you remember it, but you mentioned Arthur Hiller, who obviously yeah. had a very particular career where he did hack. make some good movies. But he did, he, but he was the he was the go to hack of the, of the century. Uh, he, he, was, he really was. He was absolutely most prevalently a hack, no question yes. about that. But yeah. but if you look at the credits. One of the co-writers is novelist Martin Cruz Smith, which is uh, a little bit wacky. This is Gorky Park novelist yeah. Martin Cruz Smith. Yep. The score apparently was by Henry Mancini. You would yep. have to tell me if it's a particularly yep. memorable. It is. Score. It's a great. It's a great score, actually. It's a great. Oh, score. okay. Yeah. See, yeah, there is. you yeah. go. Then, yeah. in that case, everyone should find where Nightwing is and, uh, and I, is streaming. Nick Mancuso <laughs> is the lead. Does it say? Is it Catherine Harold? Um, uh, I believe so, a, yes. Catherine Harold. God, I can't believe I remember. <laughs> it is indeed Catherine Harold. It's so ridiculous that I even remember that. Um, and is, is Chief Dan George in it, or am I nuts? I, uh, maybe I'm getting my my uh, movies mixed up. Um, hard to, I, it may be a deeper role than Wikipedia yeah. has on the, okay. the list. Okay. I don't know. All right. <laughs> but, well, anyway. but, Struth- but Struther Martin. Yes, who, Struther uh, Martin, <laughs> God damn it. Yes, Struther Martin. <laughs> That's right. Uh, God. Oh, maybe I got to go back and watch that one again. But it's great because Dan, like literally every scene, it was like, you realize the bat cannot, can, can go without sleep for 12 months. He does that kind of stuff. It's that. It's hilarious. So, Phew. Anyway. I, can't, I can't see if it's actually streaming anywhere convenient, unfortunately. I would be shocked. So, I would be eh, shocked. There, there's a lot of really random stuff out there that's, okay. that's streaming in places like Tubi right. and, uh, and places of that. Crackle. But it, crackle. Crackle. Absolutely, Crackle yeah. is another possibility. Also, yeah. there are, there are weird things that are on Paramount Plus that you just never mm-hmm. expect them to be. So, uh, 
Yeah, though okay. it appears to have been a, a Columbia Pictures Sony release, so the most logical place for it to be really might be Crackle, except I'm not sure if Sony really owns any of Crackle anymore. So yeah. anyway, uh, it, when I when I get off this podcast, maybe I will go and check to see if I can find it anywhere, but also if, I don't know that I have time to be watching if, Nightwing. If, there's j- if someone, <laughs> and maybe someone did, because so many people do so much weird shit on, online, maybe someone took all of... David Warner's bat facts and put them in one multiple one video just like a whole <laughs> just 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 David Warner every bat fact that he spouts in Nightwing in a in a 10 minute video that would that would save you time to watch the whole movie I think you now have something that you need to do with your weekend <laughs> yeah. now Nick uh-huh. that's, that's right I got nothing else planned why not so anyway all right well uh, uh David Warner did amazing work uh both on TV and in film and the same with uh Paul Servino, in addition to uh, Pauly, uh, he did do other he did do other TV. <laughs> I don't know why Pauly was the first thing that popped into my head. I mean, obviously Law and Order, clearly, but I was like, what other? Oh yeah, Pauly. He was in Pauly. I have no idea why I remember that. God, he I'm was so in a lot of stuff. Some of it of some quality, and some of it, as we've established, yeah. not. But that is the thing about being a working character actor: is yeah. sometimes you take the paycheck gigs. That's right. All right. Okay, well, let's get into... Um, now, you gave me a homework assignment. I, I did. If you, if, I don't know if you remember, <laughs> but you gave me a homework assignment, and that was to watch uh, the first episode, and then since then, the second episode of uh, The Rehearsal, which you reviewed on the fine print at Hollywood Reporter last week. How many have you seen? I have seen five, and I believe there are six total. Okay. Uh, I've seen the first two. I did the homework. Your homework assignment <laughs> was given to me. First of all... Tell us all about the rehearsal on HBO. So the rehearsal on HBO is the latest show from Nathan Fielder, who people will more recently know as one of the executive producers of How To with John Wilson, which has been one of my favorite shows on TV for the past couple of years, a weird ass documentary, hybrid-y comedy format. Uh, can, but I just, pre- can I just say mm-hmm. with you, Dan? Yeah. I adore that show. It I is such a good show. Absolutely adore how to with john wilson i love him and i love that show let me just get that out of the way i agree with you a 100 percent about the brilliance of that show i am sensing a but coming here but we'll get there in a in a couple <laughs> seconds i i'm seeing it coming down no no the no road. no 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 you're, you're you that's not gonna happen trust me. oh okay so i mis- i misread no the, no the no no i just wanted to i just wanted to just to state how much i i don't like the rehearsal as much as I like How To with John Wilson. Uh, but I don't like a lot as much as I like How To with John Wilson. So let me just... <laughs> I, no, just wanted, is... I just wanted to get that in there. I loved How To with John Wilson. It, it, it is entirely reasonable to prefer it. Uh, and I guess because of the timing in that little interim where we didn't have anywhere to talk about TV on a regular basis, I guess we might not have talked regularly lately right. about How To with John yes. Wilson. Yes, so. we would have, though. I, I promise me, if I had a regular gig during that time, we would have been talking about it every five minutes. Trust <laughs> yeah, me. There will, there will be a season three, so yes. we will have okay. it to talk about. Exactly. Uh, but so, okay. So people could also know Nathan Fielder from the uh, the reasonably moderately length show uh, Nathan for You, which aired on Comedy Central and is now available in its entirety on HBO Max. And if people haven't seen it, they should watch it. He's so also. Prim- he's, I'm sorry to interrupt again, but sure. he's, he's also in the Disaster Artist. He uh, 
<laughs> he, he's, I, he plays one of the one of the idiots who's in the room, one of the actors who's in the room. Uh, he, so he's in the disaster artist. Not much of a thing, but I just remember him in that. I don't know why. I, I'm kind of amused by all of these com- <laughs> droll comics who aren't exactly actors, but <laughs> are kind of comedians and therefore can do some of this stuff. Like, so it's it's basically Nathan Fielder, John Wilson, and Joe Para, who I make as right. kind of the the holy right, yeah. trinity of that genre of TV, yeah. Yeah. and. <laughs> They they pop up very occasionally in supporting roles on people's shows, and it's like, oh my goodness, that's a very strange use of that person. Or vocally, uh, Joe Para had a um, a supporting vocal role on the last season of F is for Family on Netflix, and mm-hmm. I got such a kick out of that. So mm-hmm. I like seeing them pop up other places. Right. There's an upcoming show that uh, that Nathan Fielder has been set to do for a while, and I don't know if they've begun production on it with Benny Softy and Emma Stone. For whatever reason, that is a tri- that is a trio of three people who are doing a premium cable show at some point in the future. Oh my God. So, so, I and that was me right there, piquing your interest, such yeah. as it were. Yeah. We'll see if it actually happens. It's <laughs> it's the curse and it's Showtime, and it was picked up back in 2020, and I have no clue uh, what its actual status is because right. little known fact, since 2020, lots of weird stuff has happened really? in the world. Yeah. Oh, so okay. you know, right. sometimes things don't go according <laughs> to plan. Uh, right. right. Whatever. Also, also little known fact emma stone sometimes busy so these are all problems i still haven't gotten to what the rehearsal is so the premise of the rehearsal is basically like nathan for you it is a documentary comedy hybrid of sorts and the premise is based around the idea that nathan's own social awkwardness which is manifestly obvious in everything he does uh is so great that basically he thought of this idea which was what if the way of conquering social awkwardness and of keeping people from screwing up these important conversations and moments and life events would be if you somehow could stage life (laughs) rehearsals for things. If you could set up pre-enactments, as I called it in my review, of the events that you're trying to do with actors playing the other people around you, sometimes with absurdly ambitious reenacted versions of the locations at the events. What if you could practice and rehearse all of life's most serious events? And that was how you were able to conquer your anxiety and your awkwardness. Uh, So the first episode is he's trying to help a guy who somehow through miscommunication lied to his trivia team and told them that he had an advanced degree and they keep sending him job listings for people with his fake qualifications and he wants to tell them but he's terrified that they won't want to talk to him anymore once he confesses he's a fraud and so Nathan sets up a situation where he helps. The second episode involves a woman who uh, had a rough young life involving drug addiction and other things, but she's wondered if she's ready for motherhood now in her young forties. And he sets up a situation in which basically she's at a remote farm in Oregon and she has to rehearse slash simulate the experience of of motherhood, of parenthood. And 
yeah, that's that's the show. It is it is weird and strange and sometimes funny and sometimes deeply poignant. And whatever it is, I, I think it is something special, this show, uh, whether it evolves, whether there's only one season in it, whether there's only five episodes and it falls on its face after six. I don't know. But it is unquestionably a unique thing and a special thing, I think. So tell me what you thought of it. Uh, I think it's a, okay. Um, well, first of all, bravo on trying to explain what the goddamn thing is. <laughs> um, <laughs> you did the best you could, you know what I mean? Because it's oh. like, I, it's impossible to like sort of accurately describe not only the structure of it, the way it's set up, but how you feel while you're watching it. <laughs> because all kinds of weird stuff goes through your brain when you're watching it. Um, or at least it did it is, when I watched it. Oh no, no, it is it is a it is a show that is designed to mess with your brain on any of various different levels. Most particularly because, like Nathan, for you, there's always something unsettling in the background on an ethical level where you're always watching it and going, "Is this a thing that we really should be doing to normal to allegedly normal people? Is this really a a fair thing to do to a normal person to inflict this strangeness on them? Unlike Nathan, for you, anybody who wanted to had the capacity to actually Google Nathan Fielder and what they were getting involved in here. So yeah. that that to me is a key distinction between this and Nathan for you. It, it People had the chance to know what they were getting into. Yeah. Well, it, it is it is. Um... It's certainly original, and I, you know, like at first, because you know, I didn't know anything about it. You just said, watch the rehearsal. That was my homework. <laughs> and I watched the first episode. I didn't know anything about it. So at the beginning, like when he first walks into the guy's house, and he's like, oh, door city, or whatever he says when there's, when there's like three doors next to it. And then they repeat it, and they show this whole thing again. I was like, no, this can't be real. And all the way down to like, you know, the construction of buildings and things to look exactly like, I mean, and hiring extras. The, the extent with which to do the rehearsal or recreate or something that will be created or what, I mean, is insane. Um, and I, I just, like, it, 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 on so many levels, I was sometimes repulsed and sometimes fascinating, but, but fascinated, but always it was, it, it, I was either laughing or feeling really bad. And, <laughs> and that's, I think that's the legit reaction that one wants you know that the people behind the show um that nathan wants uh when you're watching it um i don't know what i mean i don't know what like someone just flipping the channels and watching hbo i don't know what they're gonna make of this i don't know who this show is for i would imagine it's for you know fans of nathan for you and 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 fans of this type of humor but just somebody like you know like on a friday night you know, looking around on the streaming services and turning this thing on. I don't know. I have no idea what people are going to make of this. <laughs> oh, I, I have no evidence at all of anyone like that existing, uh, which is <laughs> not to say that obviously they don't. But definitely I have not seen on Twitter the experience necessarily of the person who has no clue what they're getting into, who wanders into it. But obviously it has to be, even though... HBO has scheduled it in the Friday 11 p.m. slot, which has become the HBO slot for shows that are too weird to air anywhere right. else. Uh, right. Because that's where How To With John Wilson aired. It's where the John Lurie painting show aired. It's where Los Espookies 
which is one of my favorite shows from recent years that nobody really watched, but that did get renewed. So someday it might come back. But yeah, so they so HBO has carved out this odd Friday night, 11 p.m. slot for oddball shows. But of course, most viewers who watch it are really and truly going to watch it on HBO Max these days. And everyone knows that. And there it is. It's it's popping up fairly highly placed on the HBO Max algorithm. Um, and that means that there's at least the strong possibility that someone on a Friday or Saturday night might be on HBO Max and go, this looks confusing and strange uh and and it is and it does and either it's going to make you feel genuinely uncomfortable about many many things but i think there's also the strong chance that it it's relatable in a way that maybe nathan for you isn't like nathan for you for people who didn't watch it i think it's a much funnier show personally Um, i agree and i agree and the and the premise of the show is that basically that nathan went to a Canadian college and studied business, which isn't exactly true either. And he's giving small (laughs) business owners advice on how to improve or fix their business. It's hard to, it's also hard to explain that show. And, and so that one to me, it was easier to feel like there was something uncomfortable being done to people because you were because it was a lot of people who were small business owners who were hanging on by a thread and the ideas that Nathan brought to them were for the most part either really really horrible and disastrous ideas or ideas that were effective through their disastrousness. But there was always the possibility that you were going to bankrupt somebody's family business and (laughs) that it wasn't going to be a good thing to have done that. Whereas this, again, once it becomes a situation where anyone can go online and go, who is Nathan Fielder and do I want to do a reality TV show with him? If you Google that and you think the answer is yes, that's on you. And if you don't do that... (laughs) That's on you. So that's kind of how I felt about it. So where so where I came on it was, I don't know that I I think a lot of people are still in an emotional place after two, two and a half years of a global pandemic where a lot of the things that came most easily three years ago or five years ago have begun to feel a little strange and have begun to feel not as much like riding a bicycle as they might have. And a lot of people do have in the back of their mind, this conversation that once might've been a very simple conversation to have. I don't know how to have it anymore. What can I do to set myself at ease? And, and, and I think there's something emotional and honest about that. Even if everything that he's doing as part of asking those very basic questions is insane and yeah. sometimes hilariously so and sometimes very sadly so yeah well uh i was happy to if, if you're going to give me homework assignments like that uh dan i will be happy to do homework that's, uh, that's, well i mean i also gave you six seasons of well, better I, call saul right, as homework all right, all right. <laughs> here's all right, now, the re- and, and i know that this comes up every every goddamn time we do a segment <laughs> it comes up and i understand that i understand that my, I am in the minority on not loving Breaking Bad as much as everybody else on the planet does. You know what I mean? So I guess like my excitement about jumping into the world of Breaking Bad again just is not 
You know what I mean? It just, it's not sure. It's, it, it just doesn't encourage me to watch it as quickly as I would something else because I'm not a big Breaking Bad fan. And I know that's un-American and I should be shot at sunrise, you know, for saying that, but I'm just not the biggest Breaking Bad guy in the world. So it's a little bit harder for me to get pumped up about, you know, Better Call Saul than everybody else is. But I, you know, again, don't, trust me, Dan, you're not the only one who has been, you know, insisting that I watch it. Seriously. It happens. But also, it's when I give you that homework, it's six seasons. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the episodes are between 45 minutes and, in some cases, over an hour. It's a more substantive thing. I, yeah. I had a pretty solid feeling that giving you a roughly half hour show, the first episode <laughs> is 44 minutes. So right. it's, it's a little hefty. Subsequent right. episodes are a hair over 30, and right. there are only six to begin with. So it, it, this, no. this felt to me like a really <laughs> yeah. manageable piece of homework. No, exactly. I know. And I, but, I, but I do want to, you know, I wanted, I wanted to make clear that it, the, the roadblock in front of me, Dan, is that I'm not as crazy about Breaking Bad as everybody else is. That's just me. I do not, I do not take it personally, and I simply I, I am simply a large fan of running jokes. But I also, know, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. But also, I am convinced, and this is an honest thing, that Better Call Saul has, I don't want to say it's, you know, some people will be saying over the next three to four weeks that, oh, it's better than than Breaking Bad. And some people are saying that. And I don't, I don't necessarily, mostly I don't know that I disagree, which is yeah. probably as high praise as I can give it. But of what course. I would say is it's an entirely different show in terms of its All voice. Right. Now, so, here's, okay. And, and will I, because I don't remember much about Breaking Bad, honest to God, I just don't. It, when I start watching Better Call Saul, will I, I don't have to go back and watch Breaking Bad again, do I? You don't. There are definitely there would definitely be characters who, in some cases, you would not remember. Then there would also be characters who you would definitely remember, and you would have to decide, oh, do I care about those people? Yeah. Uh, okay. And that would be fine. Uh, but you know, because it's a prequel, it is possible to watch it without okay. having watched any of Breaking Bad. Oh, I think that okay. would be. I think that would be a truly insane thing to do but i also know people who i also but i do know people who are doing it so oh, okay. yeah no i think right. i don't i don't think you would there would be things you would miss but the show ultimately becomes only somewhat a direct nod to breaking bad okay. sometimes it is but sometimes right. it's something different totally so I promise at some point in my life, Dan, I will catch up with it, it life. You know, there's you've got you've got time. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> my my parents just began to to catch up with Better Call okay. Saul. They they hadn't watched it or they'd watched two or three episodes and they'd stopped. That's the other thing, unfortunately, is that I don't think it it starts off bad, but it unquestionably starts off as a, as a different show than it becomes. Oh, okay. So it, right. it takes a while to find its exact voice. I think it does so thoroughly entertainingly, but I've mentioned a hundred times that Ray Seahorn, you'll fall in love with her, but also surely you're a, a Mike McKean fan. Yeah, of course. Yes, absolutely. He's, he's fantastic. It's the best work of his career by a million miles. It and, is, and Giancarlo Esposito, I love him. Giancarlo Esposito uh, is Giancarlo fantastic. Giancarlo Esposito, yes. Giancarlo Esposito, yep. Um, you know, Jonathan Banks, who was also great yep. on uh, on Breaking Bad, is great here. So yep. there, are lots of, uh, there are lots of things that don't require knowledge of Breaking Bad and characters who don't require knowledge of Breaking Bad and also just actors who are fun to watch do mm. their thing. Okay. So. All right. Hey, let's talk about a couple of FX shows, uh, shall we?
Sounds good. Okay. Uh, first, uh, let, can I can I discuss with you very briefly how disappointed I was ultimately with the old man? I see, and I haven't finished it, so that's not a uh, that's not a good sign. I'm I am two episodes away, and so don't spoil it. Okay. But definitely tell. But definitely I, tell me why you ended up being disappointed well, by it, because. And- this is a big yeah. thing because I don't know if you know this or not, but I happen to be the biggest Jeff Bridges fan on the planet. I've heard this. Yeah. Um, and uh, for me, ultimately, and I, and I know that this probably has a lot to do with the fact that he you know, was sick, uh, you know, not only with you know, a cancer diagnosis and chemo, but also he got hit with COVID. And he know he was coming out of that. Uh, and there's, first of all, and this is, you know, and I know that there were reasons why, but there's not enough Jeff Bridges in it. Not enough Jeff Bridges. I know that, that that's that. I know the situation, and I realize that. But just watching it as a person who is a fan of Jeff Bridges, I'm like, there's clearly not enough Jeff Bridges in this. Um, I don't like the flashback. I hated the flashback structure, and I did not. Who's the dude who plays young Jeff Bridges in it? Willie, William Heck. Okay, didn't like him. Uh, and and uh, when finally John Lithgow and Jeff Bridges are together. Uh, they're just basically sitting in a car and all their scenes basically <sighs> take place in a car. Um, and um, and uh, the, uh, the big, and I won't give anything away, but there's a big twist at the end that I saw coming about eight miles away. Um, and ultimately I just did not care. There were great things in it. I thought all the stuff between Bridges and Amy Brenneman was terrific. And I thought uh, the individual performances were really good. Ulti- when it was all over, I didn't like the flashbacks. I didn't care about the story. Um, when Jeff Bridges was on screen, of course it was great. When Jeff Bridges was kicking massive ass, which happens a lot in the first two episodes, and not much after that, it's terrific. But ultimately, I was completely unsatisfied, and not, I, I honestly, I don't care about the second season. I really don't. I know it got renewed. So Boy, I was very disappointed. That is, dis- that is disconcerting because you were definitely on board long before the show existed. So you were, this was a show that was made for you and, and I was with it for the first two episodes, big time. I was way with it for the first two episodes. And then it settled into this groove and I just was not, I was not on board with it. And my, uh, and my review reflected uncertainty on, on what the show was doing and how it was working going forward. And so that is, that is disconcerting. And I had meant to, I had meant to watch more episodes this weekend and try to get, through with it and just there was too much stuff and also you know dan and and, and again speaking as the, you know the, the the massive jeff bridges fan that i was like each episode i'd be like all right i'll watch it i shouldn't feel that way you know what i mean like i should be really excited to see the first episodic show that stars jeff bridges each week i should be pumped but every week i was like okay i'll see what happens now you know what I mean? that was how i felt Phew. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. maybe soon. But right. now, see, now my expectations, though, are lower. So maybe I will yeah. turn on it or yeah. turn okay. positive. Uh, you let me know what you think. Maybe the next time we talk, you, you, you've watched it. We can, we can briefly just uh, talk a little bit about it. But ultimately, I was disappointed by it. Um, so. Now, the other one I'm not disappointed with, and that's what we do in the shadows, um, uh, which I just love. Um, uh, and I love what they've done with it. I think so far, this, the first three episodes that they've done so far this season have been better than last season altogether. And I liked last season a lot. I thought it was fun. Huh. But this, this season has been better, I think, uh, so far. I, I, don't, I don't know that I've honestly felt that way. I, I mean, I haven't felt like it was like some sort of huge fall off a cliff, whatever. I, the third one was probably the first one that really made me laugh hard, I think. There were definitely things I laughed at through the first couple. Uh, but 
I, I guess, I guess I felt like they wrapped up where things left off last season a little too hastily and a yeah. little too neatly. Yeah. And, and I kind of wanted given where things left off a lot more complication, though they've at least had plenty of opportunity for complication involving tiny Colin Robinson, uh, which has been, <laughs> which has been fantastic. Yeah, and it's so, hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. So, but I, but yeah, definitely. I'm definitely not suddenly down on the show, uh, but yeah, I didn't feel as if it was better I, than last season. I am, I am, my, my favorite uh, performer on, and, and it's they're all great. And I've been a fan of Matt Barry's for a very, very long time. But for me, it's all about Nadja. I, I, I love her so much, and I think Nastasia Dimitriou. Am I pronouncing her name correctly? Give or take, I believe. Um, I think she's great. And the fact that in that last episode, you know, where her vampire club and she's got the two little hats, I loved her wardrobe and I loved everything. But when it, the fact that it was just her and Kristen Shaw, like doing comedy together for a good portion of that episode, that just made me happy. <laughs> just watching those two made me very happy. And I laughed a lot. Oh, the cast is, as always, utterly tremendous and they are they are quite hilarious and and like i said i i love the handling of of colin robinson and keeping him in this world that has (laughs) been that has been super and it's absolutely a show that i like watching uh sometimes maybe a little bit more backgroundy than yeah you know foregroundy but not in any disastrous way uh the fourth episode has a lot of crazy stuff in it and in a good way that okay. is that is all, right. all I will say is it has okay. a new location that brings in a lot of different pieces of mythology in ways that I liked a lot. So okay, cool. I love that. I, but I do love it. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of that show. Um, oh, first of all, talk about the podcast uh, that that you do that drops on Fridays um, and everybody yes. can listen to it. Yes, please tell us all about that it. would be that would be TV's top five, uh, the numeral five. And it is available on all of your finer podcasting platforms and it is the podcast that i do with leslie goldberg who is my colleague at the hollywood reporter and she is a dogged and intrepid television business reporter and i am of course not that so we come at everything from very different perspectives and we cover the week's news and generally we have a different showrunner on each week as a guest last week we didn't because it was an especially newsy week and so we had one of our colleagues in to talk about the most recent netflix earnings and what that meant for the future of netflix short version don't worry too much about netflix they'll be okay Mm -hmm. uh and we also had our colleague James Hibbard on. Uh, he is kind of the master of all things Game of Thrones. And so he was on the set of the House of the Dragon. And he gave us a lot of insight into, into that prequel, sequel thingy coming soon on, on HBO. So, yeah, right. that, is, that is TV's top five. And it comes out every Friday very, very early in the morning. Very cool. Okay. Uh, all right. Before we let you go, we got to do the Big Brother. Are you watching Big Brother or have you given up? Uh, I might be done. I watched I watched through the first elimination, and unless you want to tell me that something interesting has happened in the past couple of weeks, uh, there are too many things about it at this point that are irksome to me, and it, it's I don't know that it's a very good cast, and I think there are probably too many people who really annoy me in the cast. Mm-hmm. I don't like the I don't like the theme. the The theme is dumb. 
Also, I become more and more and more aggressively annoyed by Julie Chen Moonves. Uh, uh, me too. And, me too. And and yeah. she just gets on my nerves yep. so much at this point that she might be the thing that, that finally drops uh, me out. Dan, she drives me nuts. She drives me absolutely nuts. But I'm 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 still on board with it, and I've been watching it. Uh, they did. Uh, I mean, after the whole incident uh, with uh, what's her face getting, you know, having her, her little meltdown, and she left. Um, they did vote out the biggest dummy. They voted out Pooch, who is the biggest idiot. And they finally got, they got rid of that guy. And that was fun. The, the two people that I am rooting for, and I do have a couple of people in there that I like. I like Michael the Cat Dad very, very much. Uh, I like him very much, and he is a beast in comps, especially uh, in veto comps. And I like Nicole a lot, uh, the, the chef. So those are the two that I'm uh, that I really like, and and everybody else. And, I, and I'm, clearly, I'm rooting for the guy from Chicago, the bus driver DJ, but he's not going to win at all. But uh, but of the of the two that I think have a chance, and of the two that I like the most, I like Michael and I like Nicole. I, I think they're the two that are going to keep me watching, even though I find it relatively annoying. Uh, so, but yeah, and I. I... You know, I don't disagree that those are certainly the three people who probably annoyed me least. Just the first <laughs> couple weeks were, they were so invested in the the unfortunate situation that led to yeah. not having anyone eliminated the first week. And I thought they handled it so badly I agree. and so without any consideration of ways that you actually could take a step back and talk about what a stressful experience being in the house is and just how it reflects on mental health and how it reflects on where we are with our mental health again, post COVID there were things they could have done where they could have sat down and they could have had a conversation with the whole house about, about the bullying, Mm -hmm. about the racism, about all of the things that are the problem with the show and just having that conversation. It's the kind of thing that Jeff Probst does with mixed results on Survivor, but he tries to, and I applaud that he tries to. I guess I'm glad that Julie Chen Moonves didn't do that because I don't think she would have, because I'm sure she would have done a bad job. So Of course that, she would have, yeah. She would have done a horrible job. Absolutely, yeah. But I feel like the show owed it to its genuine fans to try to take it seriously and to try getting some serious value out of it. And it, and it unfortunately didn't. So I, I may be done. I, you know, I know that I think there's only two episodes that I'm behind at this point. So it'd be easy to catch up. Also big brother is a show that is designed that, you know, you can just pick back up anytime you want and mostly understand. So I will give you, if you're, if you're going to skip, I'll give you the highlights if you need them. I'm going to continue watching (laughs) it. So uh, I'll let you know what's going on. No, I, and, and you know, I, I trust you. And so if you had wanted to lead with, okay, it's gotten a lot better. No, now that, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And and I appreciate your, I appreciate your candor. You could, you could also lie to me and I don't know that that would be good for a relationship, Nick. I I might, you know, it's not going to happen, my friend. I would never lie to you. And on top of that, I'm not going to lead with big brother over the deaths of David Warner and Paul Servino. That's not, that's, it's definitely not that good. I can tell you, I can tell you that. Totally uh, fair. Okay. All right, Dan, uh, always a pleasure, my friend. Everybody check out The Fine Print, F-I-E-N, Hollywood Reporter, read everything about it. And uh, Dan, we'll talk to you in, uh, for your regular visit in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Looking forward to it, Nick. Okay, buddy. Take care. You too. Bye. There you go. Dan Feinberg, the TV man. He's the best. The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. You know who else is a fine person? Esmeralda, yeah, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, 
It's time to talk to my uh, my partner in crime, my buddy Esmeralda Leon. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. What the hell, huh? Right. <laughs> <laughs> How you been? I've been doing well. How about you? I'm, you know, I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, good. one more one more screening as we as we record this one more screening of Magnolia mm-hmm. late night screening at the Logan. I went Saturday night. I went last night, and I'm going tonight, three nights in a row because I'm a loser. Um, <laughs> And uh, it's been great to see it on the big screen and, you know, my favorite movie ever. It's been cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it, nice, though. Interesting um, uh, train ride on the I'm on the, curious. On the yeah. Do you, do you ever see anything new? Have you, like, as you're watching, um, is there anything that you're like, wait a minute? Uh, or is li- it like you've seen it so many times that it's I, just like. It's, for the, it's the latter, mostly. But I always look for stuff. Um, and, uh, I mean, maybe I'll see a, a few details that I hadn't noticed before, but I've seen that fucking movie so many times, so many times. Mm-hmm. and, uh, it's my favorite movie and, and, uh, it's nice to see it. You know, there are things that you can spot cause I don't have a giant screen TV. Mm-hmm. So th- there are things that you can kind of look around in the background. If you, if you check out in the background of stuff, when you see it in yeah. a movie theater. And, uh, and so I've, I've been like looking in the background and seeing a few details here and there that might've not popped out at me. Uh, before um you know uh but yeah uh it's just been great and you know like saturday night there were probably 40 people which is a little bit more than i even expected and then sunday night into monday morning because we got out at two you know it's three hours and eight minutes and you get out at 208 if it starts at 11 (laughs) um and there were like 10 people in the theater last night and so tonight's a monday night into a tuesday morning and i don't know how many people are going to be there but yeah, I was uh, I, I I was telling you this off the off when, before we were recording. I did you know have an incident waiting for the uh, waiting for the train at the Logan yes. Square stop when a guy in you know pants down very pan- exciting pants w- staggering around with a bikeable bicycle comes up to me as I'm waiting there at two fifteen. He's like, "Hey man, how long before the train comes?" and and I was just standing leaning against the pole, and on top of the pole was the big screen where you can see how long it's going to be before the train comes. Mm-hmm. So he's like, how long before the train comes, man? And I was like, and I just pointed up at the screen. And he's like, oh, yeah. Okay, great, man. Can't you see that I've just been fucking pepper sprayed? <laughs> Which, like, how do you even tell? You know what I mean? Like, there's well, no. His face... Unless you see someone get pepper sprayed. Right. You, you never just assume people get pepper sprayed. Exactly. Exactly. And then I looked at him because I try to avoid eye contact. It's some weirdo at 2.15 in the morning on a train. I'm not going to make right. eye contact with the guy. So I just kind of yes. see that he's coming my way. He's, he's got a bike. He's staggering. His pants are hanging down. You know, and I'm like, okay, this guy's going to be a real treat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he comes up, hey, man, how long before the train comes? So I don't even really make eye contact. I'm, I'm looking at my phone trying to stay you know, distracted from him. And I just kind of mm-hmm. like, here, man, and I point up at the screen. And he's like, oh, yeah, I've just been fucking pepper sprayed. And so I kind of look at him then. <laughs> and his face was a little bit swollen and it was wet. And then he kind of staggers away from me and goes up and goes yeah. down, goes down the, uh, you know, the platform there and just wakes up two homeless guys, start screaming at them. And I was like, okay, this is going to be a treat. 
But anyway, so that was my little thing. But I was thinking to myself, well, why, first of all, why would you volunteer that information? Because it can't be good. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're, they're, like, why it, did you get pepper spray? Exactly. That's the fr- I'm like, okay, well, clearly I'm not going to help you. If you've, you've clearly just done something that required you to be fucking pepper sprayed by someone. You know? I hope so. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like he was I walking. I mean, I don't pe- hope that he did something bad, but, like, let's hope people aren't just pepper spraying people just because. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, my guess is that he did something where, like, it required someone to pepper spray him. Or right. he, he pepper sprayed himself in order to get money. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I've been pepper sprayed. Can you give me a buck? You know, that. I don't know. Okay. I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know if that's a thing. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's a thing. I have, I don't know. I've been pepper sprayed. Can you help me? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a scam or not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how. Uh, you know, it's a it Sunday. just seems a lot of pain. Yeah. To get a few bucks. And and then, so I'm not going to go into the whole story, but and he's down there. He wakes up these two homeless guys who were minding their own business, just sleeping. He starts screaming at them. They're kind of up and now they're talking and all kinds of crap. Mm -hmm. And so when the train is on its way, when I see that there's like a minute left, um, I walk all the way down. I'm going to walk all the way down to the other end of the platform to get on the front train, the very first car, for two reasons. Mm -hmm. One, it's 2.15 in the morning and I'd like to be, if something happens, I'd like to be on the train where the conductor is, the driver is there. You know what I mean? You press the button and the driver is right there and he or she can just come right out. So if anything happens. And also, the front car is closest to the stairwell that I go to to get to my apartment after I get off the train at Irving. You know what I mean? Yeah, perfect. So, if, so even if it's not 2 o'clock in the morning, I always opt for the first car. So, mm-hmm. um, so I'm standing there, and when I see that it's one minute, I decide I'm going to walk past these guys. I'm going to walk past Pepper Spray and the two crazy homeless guys who are yelling. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to walk past them. I want to get on the first train. So I start to walk past, and the guy goes, Pepper Spray guy goes, Oh, right, here's the fucking guy that wouldn't help me. And the guy who we woke up, the homeless guy who woke up, he's like, man, I don't care. Just leave him alone. And so the guy, p- pepper spray guy, dives into the garbage can. There's a garbage can there. Dives in headfirst into the garbage can mm-hmm. as I start to walk past. And as I walk past him, he pulls out out of the garbage can. He's standing. He's now standing up in the garbage can with an old, what looks like an old teeny children's backpack. Mm. And he throws it at me. Fuck you, man. You know, for not helping him because he was pepper sprayed. So he throws it at me, and it doesn't even come anywhere close to me. You know what I mean? Like, clearly. Uh, one, if he's pepper sprayed, his, obviously he, he's not going to be able to, his accuracy is not going to be very strong. Right, exactly. His depth or, perception isn't good. Exactly. His depth perception is not good. Or, <laughs> or, as I suspected, he was on all kinds of drugs and would not be able to throw anywhere near me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's that too. So, so he throws the backpack at me, and I can, he doesn't even come close to me. And I continue to walk pretty briskly. And the train is coming, and I get on the first car, and everything is fine. But as I'm walking by, the guy who was he, who the sleeping guy is like, "Man, I don't care. Why don't you just leave that motherfucker alone?" He starts screaming, <laughs> and then he starts screaming. But I was pepper sprayed while he's standing in a garbage can. So this guy's standing in a garbage can, arguing with a homeless guy about him being. And I don't know where the bike came from. He did not get on the train. I don't know. You know what I mean? It was with a bike. He didn't have the bike with him. No, he did. He was, but the but he left the bike. But then he, he left it. He left the bike about 10 feet away from where the homeless guys were hmm. and the garbage can. And as I was getting on the train, he was still standing in the garbage can screaming with the homeless guy, and the bike was still 10 feet from him. I don't know what's going on at this point. It was, I mean, you know, I it was like he'll two, come back for it? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't get on the train. I mean, it was there. Oh, he didn't get on the train. No, he was standing. As I was getting on the train, he was still standing in the garbage can screaming so at the homeless guy. why does he guy. care when the train comes? I, exactly. I, you know. Or maybe he was waiting for the other way. 
Yeah, well, yeah, he could have been. I guess. I mean, he could have been waiting. For, he could have been waiting. Instead of O'Hare, he could have been waiting for Forest Park. I don't know. But I mean, anyway, yeah. that was the little adventure <laughs> that I had on the train at like 2.30 in the morning late Goodness. on a Sunday night in Logan Square. So I'll keep you updated on what happens tonight. <laughs> but you yeah, can't be you there see, again. I'm, can't you see? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always room for pepper spray. There's always room for more pepper spray. <laughs> Can't you see I've been fucking pepper sprayed? I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, my goodness. Just get away from me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the movie's great. So Yeah. And the Logan's fun, man. The Logan is a fun place, I got to say. And, and I remember when that place, Esmeralda, you would not believe what a hellhole that place used to be. When I was in, in the 70s, when I would go there, rat infested. Yeah. And now it's all hip. You know, I told you this the last time I went. You know, it's all hip. They got a bar and a lounge and a stage. They do improv there and shit. And um, and the theaters are all clean and nice now. It, and I remember going to see movies. I just love with, that. They're all clean. Yeah. People pick up after. They actually clean it. There's not rats running Ooh. around. They don't show old Ugh. shitty. They don't show old shitty Jan Michael Vincent movies anymore. You know what I mean? Oh yikes! <laughs> the place was packed Saturday night because they've got Nope, Marcel, and Thor all playing there. Oh okay. So I mean the play. I mean Nope. You know, tons of people went to go see that. Um, yeah. and, uh, and there were people coming out of the theater at that it was packed and, and they had a big crowd there Saturday night. Cause I went the first night was Saturday night and it was at 11 o'clock. And so like a lot of the eight o'clock shows and the 10 o'clock shows and stuff, there was a lot of foot traffic and they had some Japanese cinema get together in the lounge. It was really hot. Uh, yeah, actually, um, a friend of mine I'd seen, she had posted on Facebook. She made, I don't know if you saw it or if they had it there prominently displayed but a giant tv yeah it's right it was right in the, in the lounge when you first walk in yeah yeah so a friend of mine like helped make that no kidding it was cool it was yeah. still there last night Esmeralda. it was still there last night yeah um, so i'm assuming it's supposed to be like the ring type situation where they and come you out could of the tv yeah the way they had it set up on saturday night when i walked in there said because i got there at about 10 30 you know i got there about like half an hour because you never know when the, if the train's going to be late or whatever and i don't want to mm-hmm. be late so I got there a half an hour before the movie started. And, you know, I mean, there's a lounge. I can sit down and hang out. Um, and when I walked in, there's people posing inside that thing and taking pictures. They had like a, a picture stand, which looked like a giant remote control. Oh, So in addition cool. to the giant TV as like, like an art structure, uh, people were taking their picture inside the TV. It was really cool. I didn't know your friend. So your friend did that? Yeah, a friend of mine. And she doesn't, like, that's not her job job. I think she just... Um, she has experience with building stuff, and I she um, I think she had some like theater building kind of clearly experience. Yeah, yeah. So then you know she had some friends who needed help with that. So it was cool I'd as seen hell. It online, and it was right in the front of the when you first walk into because the, there are two entrances. You can walk into the box office theater entrance, mm-hmm. or you can go to the bar lounge entrance. And I went in the bar lounge entrance, and it's right. It was right there in the storefront because it's like a big storefront window when you walk in. Yeah. Well, when cool. I first walked in, it was right there. And I was like, wow, what is this? And I was like fascinated by it. And, uh, and they were taking pictures and stuff. And that was Saturday night. And then last night, Sunday night, when I walked in, it was still there. There weren't people taking pictures, but the big, mm-hmm. TV, the big TV was still there. Uh, yeah. like a, like I'm an amazed artist. you didn't go see any of those. <coughs> well, it was packed. And I didn't oh, know okay. about it. I didn't know about it. When I, when I got in there, it was like a thing. It wasn't on any of the theaters. It was in the lounge. So where the stage is, like the small oh, lounge. Oh, the movies? Was, yeah, they were showing them in that, like, probably on DVD or something. Oh, they were okay. I thought it was yeah. like a, 
no in the theaters no 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 it wasn't in the cinemas they were showing all the big movies in the in the cinemas but this was in the lounge which has a stage where they do improv and stand up and stuff Mm, and they they had they had a screen i guess pulled down and they would show it project them in there yeah because i know that it was all like japanese horror it was it was japanese horror and it was it was pretty it was really cool i didn't i stepped in i I took a peek in you know because it was crowded and i wanted to get a seat for magnolia and so but all that stuff was happening and yeah that big tv right in the front of the place as well when you first walked in it was there it was cool. Interesting. Pretty cool. cool. So anyway, uh, we'll see what happens. If the TV is going to be, I'll let you know if the TV is still up and I'll let you know if, uh, you know, if, uh, if pepper spray, man, Captain Pepper Spray is <laughs> still hanging out. out of the TV. At the blue, at the, yeah, the pepper spray. Oh, no. Can't you see that I have been pepper sprayed? <laughs> oh no. That's why the that hair's in her. That's why the hair's. Frightening. That's why the hair's all in her face. She's been pepper sprayed. That's what the problem is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, anyway, Captain Pepper Spray, Logan Park. Logan, mm-hmm. Logan, Logan Square, Blue Line Stop. If you want to meet him, Captain Pepper Spray. Last time I saw him, <laughs> he was standing in a garbage can. So Yeah, I don't know if anyone really wants to meet him, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, anyway, hey, we're going to be talking about some of the worst TV of all time. And I just spoke with, uh, with the great Dan Feinberg about television. Mm-hmm. So I thought mm-hmm. it would be fun to, to talk about some of the worst TV. And there's, this is an interesting list. There's 100 of them, so it's a lot to choose from. Oof. And so we'll talk about some of that. But I wanted to throw at uh, oh, and, by, and my dad's going to stop by and tell a joke. Nice, because you know how uh, how that works. You know, of I mean, course. my dad always. Uh oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I, I, I love Carrie. Nick's show. I know. Hi, I'm Carrie, Carrie Russell, I and I love I Nick's I love show. You too. Yes, I know. I know. So. All right, all right. I'll give you asthma. That's I'll right. give you asthma. So. And uh, so my dad's going to stop by and tell a joke. And, of course, uh, we have to plug Flashback, the Flashback Convention. I know you're very excited about that. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, it'll be Esmeralda's first time, Flashback Weekend. Uh, I talked about it earlier. Flashbackweekend.com is where you can get your tickets, uh, August 5th through the 7th at the uh, Hyatt Regency O'Hare. And uh, we are going to be there live, Esmeralda, hosting a very live version, the very first live edition of the Nick D Podcast. And we want people to pack the place. Saturday, August 6th, in the afternoon. Saturday, August 6th. Um, and uh, we're up there. We're going to do uh, part of our show, just the two of us. And then PJ Souls and uh, John Michael Graham from Halloween, the original Halloween, are going to be up on stage. we got movie stars with us up on stage. Yes. Oh, my God. So it's exciting. Gonna it's going to be fun. So uh, just one more time, get out there. It's going to be a great, fun weekend. Everybody's going to be there. By, by, by the way, this uh, the, the next episode on Friday, Alex Winter is going to be on my podcast. Very cool. Uh, from Bill and Ted and the Lost Boys and so much more. And he's going to be at Flashback Convention. And it's just going to be great. But we want you to pack the place and be a part of our very, very first live edition of the Nick D Podcast. Me and Esmeralda on stage and you in the audience. Flashbackweekend.com. Get your tickets now. Flashbackweekend.com. Let's pack the place. And the, uh, the recording of the live podcast is Saturday afternoon, August 6th. So be there. Okay. Yes. Now, so, you know, we've been having a little fun uh, with this Are You Shitting Me book with Scary Facts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I know that often after I read a fact, you want to God say, God damn it, Nick. Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes. Yeah, or usually. That you've, yeah. Or you want to tell me that you've been pepper sprayed. I don't know which one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Are you ready for some disgusting food from around the world? Oh, okay. Yes. And by the way, uh, Esmeralda, we want to thank, we want to take this opportunity to say thank you to mm-hmm. so many of the people who are suggesting stuff that we can taste test after we've finished now with our wacky candy. Oh, yeah, for sure. And we want to hear more. So if you've got something that you think that we should uh, taste test, 
we would love to hear from you, and you can uh, send it via uh, email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. What should Esmeralda and I taste test? Or voicemail at 773-417-6948. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we do have to go get that. Uh, we have to go get a ton of Mexican candy, because I think that's the first thing we have to go back and do. Yeah, I think that'd be great. There's, um, yeah, there's a few places where you can get, like, a lot of different mm-hmm. stuff. Because that so, uh, we'll have to go there. That salsagetti was the that was that was the stuff. Yeah, you were digging on that. Oh man, that was good. You love <laughs> you love your salsagetti. I gotta tell you, man, that was I think by far, and we tasted some really interesting and some really really tasty and good and unusual candy. That was by far my favorite. Yeah, and then we tasted some that we wouldn't think would be that bad, and they were just like yucky. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, well, thank you for that. But anyway, here's some crazy food. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. In Vietnam, Tiet Khan, or raw blood soup, is a protein-rich breakfast dish made from the uncooked blood of ducks, geese, pigs, and served over peanuts and herbs. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I can't. See, so my thing is I can't. Um, so Argentinians... In Argentina, and I think it's a lot of countries in Latin America, they do a blood sausage. And I think Europeans, there's some Europeans who do this too. It's a blood yeah, they, sausage. No, that, uh, I mean, the part of the British breakfast, Irish breakfast is uh, yeah. is uh, black, cannot, black pudding or blood pudding. Yeah, I'm not into it. No, thank oh, you. I it's love too, it. There's too much of an iron, there's an iron taste to it. Yeah. I cannot deal with it. And then um, at least the, the blood sausages I've had, the texture is just, it's a little too crumbly. Mind no, you're you, right. It's all blood. You're, so Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And I mean, and, and again, no, no, that's, that's, that's totally understandable and completely legit. Um, I mean, the texture is a little weird and there is an iron, I mean, it's blood. So there's an iron yeah. taste so to it. I could probably, I would have, if I could get past the iron taste, which I'm not gonna, I could probably <laughs> get down on some blood soup. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, but this is like. Raw, so I mean, you know, this the the, the pudding Which would the, be even more irony. Yes, I'm. Yes. Yeah, so I can't do it. Yeah. It's the iron. I'm, I can't I'm eat big, liver either. I'm a see. I love liver. Oh my god, it's too iron. There's too much of that like irony yeah. taste. I can't deal with it. Yeah, I understand that though. But yeah, no, I'm I'm all about. I I love uh, the black pudding and the and I love blood sausage and all that stuff. I I, I do. All right. Hey, by the way, if you if you are if you have this dish, this Tiet Khan, the raw blood soup, mm-hmm. if you're looking mm-hmm. to catch uh, H5N1 or bird flu virus, this is a great way to do it. Oh, good. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you can't really like disinfect the blood if it's raw. <laughs> I know. Just wash it. Just wash it. Rinse it that's out. like you know. That's There's like no the thing. Way. It's like you drop that. Just put it on the grill. You know, it'll be cooked. You know what I mean? Like you drop right? something on the ground. Uh, there was an actual some jag off on on um, uh, MasterChef. Mm-hmm. They were doing a group challenge, and the jag off who was the captain of the team, they were like cooking, you know, like burgers and stuff. He mm-hmm. dropped no steaks. He dropped two steaks on the ground and put them back on the grill in front of Gordon Ramsay. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> What's no? Do that? You can't. Needless to say, he got screamed at, and and yeah, of course. And he is, he is not, ma- shockingly, he's not Master Chef. Mm. He, like, he, he, he comes actually, to my house all the time. It's like, no, yeah. this isn't your house. Yeah, he actually <laughs> said that. He's like, I thought it would just burn off all the, all the bad stuff. You just cook it right off. Like, what the I fuck? I mean, yes, but. 
Yeah. This isn't your house. Right. You're, you're cooking. You can't and, and, just be giving people. Oh, oh, and by the way, they were serving, uh, they were serving, uh, uh, people in the navy, so they were serving mm. people in the military. Mm-mm. They were serving. They were serving military. People. See, here's the thing: like you can do <laughs> stuff like that if it's for you, right? And maybe your family, because whatever. But not the people <laughs> who serve us in the military. But yeah, you can't be giving it. Well, and just strangers. You can't. Be strangers in general, strangers. right? It's like here, you here, here you've sacrificed <laughs> you've sacrificed your time and your life for us in the U.S. Here's a here's a piece of a meat that was on the floor. Enjoy it's okay. It. I fell on the floor. I picked it up real quick. I kicked no. it up quick. I put it on the grill, and it's all fine now. Yeah, no. So, I just, yeah. just no. <laughs> Save that one this? for yourself. Cat meat is a traditional. Mm. Uh, it's a traditional food served in Africa or Asia. We know that. There's all kinds of jokes about cats being part of Asian. Oh food. right, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I t- see my thing with that, like. When people get all up in arms about people eating cats and dogs, just because there are pets. I mean, people have cows for pets. People have ducks for pets. (laughs) We're still eating those. Right. People have chickens. And I I always feel really horrible because, you know, what my favorite animal is, speaking of magnolia. um, A frog? Is frogs. And I've had frog legs. And I feel terrible. Yeah, see? And it's... (laughs) <laughs> I think I think it just depends. My problem would be if if the cats are being or the dogs or whatever are being treated mistreated. Yeah, because I have a problem. I have an issue with like if even my cow meat, my cow meat, my beef <laughs> is being treated bad. Cow meat, like I cow try meat. To, I try to get like sustainable, whatever small farm. Right, they're like roaming around happy until they get the. To the brain. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a there is a lot of there's a lot of horrible footage about what happens in in, uh, in slaughterhouses. You know, we we all know the kind of nightmare stuff that's been happening for exactly. years. Exactly. So, so I yeah, I never really. I mean, you can't have my cat to eat, but if there's other cats that right. are like bred for that, I guess I don't know. It's I a whole know. other country. No, it's I a different would culture. Probably, yeah. if I was somewhere else, I'd probably try some. Okay, I don't think I would. Um, I'd, I I would have a bite. Okay. It's probably not that great. Cats about, don't seem cats seem very lean. Yeah, it depends on the cat. Um, but even then, like they're a lean meat. Yeah, at least they look it. <laughs> uh, how about corn smut? Have you ever had corn smut? Corn as well? smut. It's no. a delicacy. It's a delicacy in Mexico. It says here. Corn smut. Let me let me read the thing to you, and then maybe uh, you can have an input here. Corn smut is not porn made in Iowa. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on, wacky ass. Hold it, minute. Hold on. Hold. Wait a minute. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, corn smut is not porn made in Iowa, but a disease of the corn plant that replaces the normal kernels of the cobs with large distorted tumors similar to mushrooms and is considered a pest in the United States, but it is a delicacy in Mexico. Yeah, because they probably, they're like, it tastes good, so just eat it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we're like, oh, no, it's ruining things. I'm like, yeah, but it tastes really good. <laughs> yeah, but they, it's a distorted. So just eat it. It's like it, it's it, the kernels look like wild mushrooms that are on the thing, and there it's a delicacy in Mexico. Mm. So I see now. I would eat that before I'd eat the cat meat for sure. Well, it's just fungus. Yeah, I'd eat it. 
I, Which, I happen to that's like that's a mushroom. So yeah. <laughs> I happen, yeah. Uh, speaking of frogs, mm-hmm. uh, in certain cultures, frog juice is believed to be a cure of a variety of conditions for a variety of conditions, from asthma to low sex drive. The drink frog. is made from nectar, white bean white bean juices, aloe vera malt, and a whole frog mixed together in a blender. Do they have Do they have bones? Frogs? Yeah, of course they do. Are you sure? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, no, I've had frog legs. I've had frog legs, and they're they're. It's like eating it. It's like it's like eating it like a chicken wing of some sort. Oh, I hope they're using a Vitamix. It is. uh, Yeah. Or do you think they're like deboning it? Uh, I would maybe. (laughs) It doesn't say here, but they call it frog juice. And if you have asthma, oh wait. Wait a second. If you have asthma, I'll give you asthma. That's right. I'll uh, give you asthma. Um, you drink some frog juice. Get some bean. Get some whole. Get some white bean juices. Some aro, aloe vera malt and a whole frog. Throw it in a blender, and uh, you'll get a boner in two seconds. Because it'll. Well, there you go. So you, if you want, if you want to breathe deeply and get a boner, all you got to do is drink some frog juice. <laughs> oh, I'm just like, how thick? That has to be thick. Blech. Yeah. See that alone, um, I'm like, oh, is it too thick? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Otherwise, I'll have some. <laughs> Can you thin it out? <laughs> um, how about this? Live octopus is a delicacy in some parts of Asia. Smaller octopi can be served cut into bite-sized, still wriggling pieces with suction cups and all slurped while squirming whole. Oh, I've seen that. I, I mean, too. that'd be real fresh. I've seen it. I've seen it done. It's a, it's a common thing. Uh, have you have you uh, seen? Uh, oh, whoa, whoa! Why am I blanking on the goddamn movie um, where the guy is kept in the? It's the Asian film where he's the Korean film where he's kept in the. Uh, uh, he has to rescue his daughter. He's kept in the. Uh, he's kidnapped. They kidnap him. They stick him in a room and they feed him under the under the. Uh, and then mm. Spike, Spike Lee remade it, and it was terrible. Oh, um, Mr. Mr. Uh, is it Ichi? No, that's the, no, no. That's Ichi the Killer, same director, uh, uh, the original. But Spike Lee remade it with James Brolin. Yeah, or not, Josh. I Brolin. remember that. I remember uh, can, that look, thinking, can you no. can you Google can you Google uh, Google it? It's going to make me crazy because the original is amazing, and uh, it's Mr. Something. Wow, God, I can't believe I'm blanking on the name of it. But Spike Lee remade. It. You can look up Spike Lee and Josh Brolin, and that'll pop up. Um, but anyway, in the original movie. There's a whole scene where the actor actually eats like a live squirming octopus on his face. It's a whole long scene, uh, and the movie rules too. It's a great. I mean, not the, the Spike Lee version is awful. Right. No, I remember when that. But the original um, is great, and and I'm old such a boy. Ge- there it is, old boy. Yes, yes, great film. Uh, but but yes. the, the original yeah, not old the Spike Lee one, yeah. No, but the original <laughs> old boy, which is a masterpiece, a great film. The original yeah, old boy. Super good. Has that has a scene where the actor chows down on a live octopi that's like crawling all over his face. I mean, no. crawls on your face or you eat it, you know. Either that, yeah. <laughs> In order to stop it from crawling on your face, God damn it, you got to eat it. Yeah, get to chomping. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I can't believe I'm so embarrassed that I could not remember. Is Josh and Josh boy. Brolin is. He's that character. He's Ew. the lead. Yeah, I don't he's like the lead. It. It's a Yuck. it's a terrible movie. There's <laughs> like, no need no. for it. And and most of it is almost shot for shot, except the most disturbing shit at the end of the movie, like the actual I, I won't give it away, but there's a really right. deeply you you've seen the movie? You've seen the original yes. old boy? Yes. 
Yeah. Okay, so you know how fucked up the the what happens the revelation yeah. involving him and his daughter is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then the whole tongue thing. <laughs> well, but uh. <laughs> uh, so Spike so Lee avoids. They don't do that. No, okay. not in the, not Great. a Spike Lee version. Even though so they he tries ruined to, it. They, yeah, it's the it's it is the it is without question. And and uh, Spike Lee's made some bad movies. Over the mm. years, because he's made like 90. He's made some masterpieces and some great movies, but he's also made some bad movies. Without question, the worst thing he's ever done is Old Boy, the remake. Without question. So, anyway. All right. Well, there you go. All right, are you ready? Let's talk about some bad TV shows. Yeah. All right, let's just talk personally, Esmeralda. What shows mm-hmm. maybe that your parents watched or your brother watched or anything like that when you were younger or shows that you thought sucked? What TV shows, when we talk about the topic of worst TV shows of all time, which ones immediately pop into your head? Shows that you hated? Um, I don't think I hated them when I was watching them, but now that I like look back, I'm like, that was terrible. Yeah. Uh, so shows that were essential, a lot of the shows that were on the must-see TV, not the must-see TV, it was like the ABC. TGIF? Whatever they're, yes. Yeah. So uh, was it Step by Step? That's one of them. That was Suzanne Summers. Yes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> terrible show. Yeah. I watched it. No no idea why. I mean, I was a small child. I didn't care. That's the I interesting like, thing. Oh, That's the interesting thing. When you look back at stuff you used to watch too when you were a kid, you're like, oh my God, when you watch it again. Yeah. Like, I, wa- I would not miss Welcome Back, Cotter when I was a kid. And that's <laughs> one of the worst fucking shows in the history of television. It's terrible. But when I was a kid, I had a Sweat Hogs t-shirt. I loved it. Oh, wow. Oh, no. I was way into it. Back in the mid-70s, it was the shit. Like, you you were a Sweat Hog baby for life. Oh, my God. Dang. They what were some of the other you. ones? So, did you... Now, so, like, a, a part of that TGIF, though, was, like, step-by-step. Step. What about... Uh, wasn't the creepy uncle uh, living in the basement uh, uh, with the daughters? With the, uh, Full House? Yeah. Wasn't that part of that? I, I believe it was... Uh, I mean, that show isn't good. No, it's terrible. <laughs> and I'm sure the the remake, or not the remake, but the reboot. Fuller House. Equally is terrible because. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> they're just teaching you. It's like that family. I don't know. They're, they're too goody goody. Mm-hmm. They always learning something. <laughs> it's always a lesson. Always Ugh. a lesson. It's like the Brady Hated Bunch. It. Always a lesson at the end of the Brady Hated Bunch. Hated it. Uh, um, what about well, the. Well, now what if- I hate it. At the time, I was like, "Ooh, this is great!" Of course. What about the uh, with the Urkel Jagoff uh, that show? You know, I didn't. I think it wasn't as bad. That one had maybe a little bit better writing because that one actually, like, they would kind of have lessons that were not lessons, lessons, but like uh, things that were happening um, because um, oh, I can't remember his name right now, but he's the cop, the cop dad. Yeah, Reginald Van, jo- Van Johnson is his real name. Yes, the guy he's he's I, the, the Twinkie guy from Die Hard, the Twinkie yes. cop. Yes, yeah. They had stuff, you know, about you know, essentially he was a black police officer, and it was him dealing like with stuff happening, kind of corruption, kind of yeah. corruption. It wasn't well, like well, too hard because you know it's still a sitcom or whatever. But they yeah. dealt with like uh, like some serious issues sometimes. So it, well, it it was a little bit better than like Full House. Well, Full but you House know what you know what happened try to and then it never really would pan out that way. Well, you know what happened with with uh what the fuck is the name of the Urkel uh show? Um 
Family Matters. Family Matters, right. I don't know. Yes. I just, I never watched <laughs> that shit. But here's what really happened on that show was that originally it was a vehicle for Reginald Val Johnson. And it was going to be about him being a cop and f- having a family. Uh, and after like the first season, it all shifted. Like when Urkel's character took off, all of that stuff right. was thrown out the window. And everything was, did I do that? And he'd knock shit over, and that, that was oh, it. Oh, of course. And so, yes. like, and that's why, Val, by, by the way, have you ever seen the sketch that Key and Peele did about Urkel? Yeah, no, 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 I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> that's based in reality. It goes off the deep end at the end. I mean, like, yeah, the end it this. makes sense. But that's actually, he did go into the producers, Reginald Val Johnson, and go, what the hell is going on? Why is every episode now about Urkel knocking stuff over and saying his catchphrase, you know, when I signed on to do this show, <laughs> it was about my family and me, not about this jagoff who lives next door. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah. I remember loving, like, uh, I never watched any of that stuff in the, I missed all that stuff in the 80s. Because when that stuff was popular, you know, mm-hmm. like your Full Houses and your Family Matters and all the step-by-step and all that stuff, that whole time period... Yeah, I was in my early 20s and I was out all the time getting drunk and stuff. Right, so I, I mean, I, yeah, this was, this was definitely for families with small children. And, yeah. And, you know, the people who are staying home on a Friday night. Right. Late, late. The, the in losers. The, in the late. No, well, no, not losers, <laughs> but in the late 80s. You were a kid. You were, you were a teenager. Well, this is 90s. Like the first. Oh, not, yeah. Yeah, like everything pretty much. Like Full House was a little bit late 80s, but most of it was beginning of the 90s. So I would have been in the beginning of the 90s, late 20s, mid to late 20s. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, so, that's the, that was the height of me going out and getting loaded and hanging out with I my I would friends. more be surprised if you did know these shows. Yeah, I don't know anything. I would be like, Honestly. why? <laughs> why were you why watching? Why were you watching them? Yeah, why, like... were you, why were you 25 years old home watching Family Matters? What yeah, is wrong with you? why are you home you? on a Friday night? Man? Right. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know why? I got pepper sprayed, and I had to go back home. Right. Uh, so. Um, uh, all right. Now, now, number 100 on this list is, uh, that we're looking at, and this is from, what is this from? Uh, sla- stacker. Stacker.com. Yeah, stacker. So I'm looking at this, and they're kind of, I mean, they're kind of mean about it. Well, what they're, they're kind of mean, some of and some of it is inaccurate <laughs> and weird. It's a weird list, which is yeah. why it's, it's, a, it's more of a jumping off point for us, obviously. I mean, I guess they had to go to 100, so. Yeah. Well, number 100 is Hannah Montana, which aired 2006 which... to 2011, and that was, obviously, Hannah Montana was the Miley Cyrus Disney right. Channel, Disney Channel show, and I will say, like, I never really, I've never really watched many of the Disney Channel shows, right? Um, because when we never had it, we never had Disney unless it was a free weekend, and then they didn't really have shows yet when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. They, I feel like that started a little later when they started having um, sitcoms and shows and all that kind of stuff on Disney Channel. But I mean, it's just not for us. I don't know. For kids. Hannah Montana's for those tween kids. who. Yeah. <laughs> Although I will say the Wizards of Waverly Place. Mm-hmm. I watched that a couple, a few times. And that had Selena Gomez. Right. That I, fe- I feel was a little more, and it was probably, it may, may have been around the same time as Hannah Montana, I think. But it, it yeah. felt a little more like they had better jokes. So I think they had maybe better writers. <laughs> okay. Well, and it, and I think that that time wasn't that came after Hannah Montana. So they were kind of maybe dipping their toes in and then once the Waverly thing came out, they were like, "Okay, we know how to do a sitcom, we know how to write now, and we hire better people because Selena Gomez is a goddamn delight. I I I love her. 
Um, yeah, and that show was it was fun. Like it, it had its moments, and it was funny. Yeah. Um, and not everything was like re- it wasn't dumbed down. Yeah, which I enjoyed. Did you did you see when she hosted SNL this past season? When Selena Gomez hosted uh, SNL? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and they did uh, Peak at Pico with her and uh, yeah. <laughs> her and Melissa Villasenor. Oh, that's sad. Yes. That's so sad that <laughs> I, I watched that like eight hundred times. <laughs> uh, I it was great, and she did a great job as host. And I, I've watched. There's only murders in the building, or whatever it is, with her. Yeah, and I enjoyed she's that the, show. She's the best part of the show. I think she's better than Steve Martin and uh, and Martin Short. I think yeah, she's the. She's, I think she's the best part of the show. Again, watching watching the Wizards of Waverly Place. It was mm-hmm. like fun to watch her in that. Um, yeah. And some of the people, some of the, the kids who started out on these things have gone on, you know, to major, you know, like really talented people. Like we're, you're, we're talking about Selena Gomez now. What about Zendaya? Zendaya. Yeah, she's, and her show is on here too. Yeah. Well, what show was Whatever that? Which, it is. Which, I don't know which one it was. Uh, but I, It was called like Start Me Up or something mm-hmm. like that. Started Up. It was like a dance thing. Like she was a dancer mm-hmm. or something. I never, oh, I'm sorry. Shake It Up. Shake, okay. Shake It Up. So that was her thing, and it was a Disney Channel show. Um, but it was, they were about two girls who were best friends, and they also happened to be professional dancers. <laughs> well, isn't that coincidental? So they're like, yeah, and it's them having silly adventures. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she did, she she really has like broken out from that, because it, it looks very, well, know, I mean, little she, kid. you know, she, I mean, this Euphoria show, I mean, is just uh, huge for her. And she is yeah. one, she's won like uh, Emmys for it and stuff. And she's probably going to, you know, she's been nominated again. And she's, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, she's, she's just won a whole bunch of uh, awards for it and, and, and everything. Um, and she, she's also, I mean, you know, she's, she's uh, Muad'Dib's girl in Dune, for God's sake. She was phenomenal in Dune. <laughs> Um, and I love her. I think she, I think Zendaya is great. She's a, for me, she's the best part of the new Spider-Man nonsense. She's like the best thing in those Spider-Man movies. So, you know, you get some, t- they, at least I will say this, maybe the shows weren't all that great. Maybe you'd agree with me on this on Disney plus, but they, they certainly have an eye for talent. Yeah. And those kids who, when they do grow up, at least for the most part, there's a few that kind of <laughs> strayed. Um, they, they at least know, I mean, you know, the cream rises to the tops. Yeah. So Selena Gomez, Zendaya, like they all really yeah. hit it. And 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 like they you know, had like, talent and they knew what to do, like what what things to choose that were gonna work for them. And other people I mean Ryan Gosling started out doing like uh you know that, oh, that right. kind of he stuff was too. The Disney Disney he was Disney Club or whatever it was. Yeah, like Disney the Mickey Clubhouse. Mouse thing. There you go, Mickey Mouse Club. He was Mickey Mouse Club and so was uh uh you know uh, so was Britney, so was Justin, Christina Aguilera. Mm-hmm. They all started out in that regard. But I mean, like Gosling, uh, you know, is like this insanely talented actor. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so, all right. So some of the Disney stuff. Uh, what did you watch when you were, when you were a little kid did you, that, like, that, were, that was aimed at you as a kid? I mean, you watched a lot of the Nick at Night stuff, right? Or, or the Nickelodeon stuff. Yeah, I watched the Nickelodeon stuff. Um... Yeah, I mean that was pretty much it, and then I would be watching the TGIFs, right, and the Mussy TV, mm-hmm. um, and then just a shit ton of MTV. 
All right. Now, speaking of MTV. <laughs> that I wasn't supposed to be watching, I'm sure. Spe- but Speaking, speaking <laughs> of MTV. Was me. <laughs> number 99 on the list, Esmeralda, mm-hmm. is the real world. Um, yeah. I, now, I will say this. Uh, it's been bad for longer than it was good. I will say yes, that. Yes. I think, yeah, you, I think you have to throw in a disclaimer on that one because they start off right from the, they don't even, they don't distinguish. They just say all of it. Which is not true. Not true. Exactly. I, I watched I think it, it. It started going downhill, I think, when they first went to Vegas. That's that ex- Vegas yes. season was terrible. You are absolutely terrible. right, Esmeralda. You are absolutely, completely right. That mm-hmm. was the season where I stopped watching. I, uh, um, yeah, like after that season, I'm like, I don't want it. With Trishel and all those other jagoffs. Mm-hmm. I, I stopped watching it. And the only time I went back was when, whenever they would come back to Chicago. Just out of like a curiosity. I would watch it. And, yeah, and, I watched that one, and it was eh, it was fine, but yeah, no, but I mean, like the the ones before reli- Esmeralda, and I think you and I can speak to this religiously, religiously until Vegas. I watched it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. same. And and I've been watching, and that's why you got to get Paramount Plus. I've been watching the reunions, and they're awesome. They're <laughs> awesome. So far, they've done uh, they've done New York, Los Angeles, and uh, New Orleans, and they're all awesome. Uh, going yeah. back and they've got you can watch the old real worlds uh they're streaming all of them are streaming on a Paramount oh my Plus. goodness no i know i know trust me i've killed a lot of brain cells <laughs> um so i will say in the realm of um reality television some that are are pretty awful but i kind of got sucked into them uh was the housewives have never you ever got watched into it. any of those? Never the, got into the it. Bravo. They yep. have so many now. I, I so I was dog sitting this past week, mm-hmm. and they they had cable, but they didn't really have many channels mm-hmm. on the cable. But they did have Bravo. Yeah, <laughs> for yeah, yeah. For some yeah. reason, yeah, there was marathons yep. of all the the Housewives of Beverly Hills. There's like um, there's like ten of them now. There's like ten different yeah, Housewives. Yeah, no, now. there's like a million of them. There was um, uh, the Housewives of Dubai. Right. I watched a little mm-hmm. bit of, mm-hmm. and then I watched whatever was um, the spinoff of one of the the, the Beverly Hills ladies. Yeah. She owned I know a what restaurant. You're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and then there was that a couple of those fucking people. A couple of a couple of those <laughs> a couple a couple of the more popular housewives got spinoffs of their own. Yeah, um, and I can't. No, but, but she got like it came into a whole like it turned into a whole thing because it was a restaurant, so it was the people in that restaurant. Mm-hmm. Who essentially like she was just kind of like a side, um, but yeah, they're all such garbage. Well, and the thing is, and, and the thing is, <laughs> Esmeralda, I'm not watching. I never watched any of them, and I don't want. And I'm not. And not to say that I'm I'm a pompous person, and it's a, you know it's a and I'm above it because I'm not. Yeah, uh, at all. <laughs> uh, but I just never got into it. It was when I tried. You know what I mean? I tried, and I just it's not yeah, my thing. It's just but a lot of bickering. I can't like I did. You know what I did instead of like the house? I watched Mob Wives on VH1. Oh, those are fun. Oh, those I had a are bla- fun though because they're like, I don't mean. I mean, this is mean, but they're kind of, they're like trashy. They're a little trashy. Completely, you know, and it, like and and you know money. what? By the way, as an Italian American, it's fucking incredibly offensive, and I love it. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it is every possible over-the-top ridiculous stereotype that you can possibly inflict upon American, uh, Italian-Americans. <laughs> they, yeah. And I loved it. I, like Mob Wives I watched. And I'm not above that kind of shitty stuff. For just for some reason, the, the housewife stuff just never clicked with me. Like, I watched... Well, I, I mean, I'll tell you this. It's just, it's just them bickering over the yeah. silliest things. Yeah. Just someone said one thing, and then they all freak out. Yeah. And then they all have to talk to each other. Then they all that's, flip tables and there's a, yeah. Yeah. That's and the, the reunion one thing that cracks me up. Is the re- about the watching u- these. And the reunion no, the one, one don't that, they Yeah, go ahead. What? Oh, no. Um no, no, no. That was like they just had a thing and she flips a table. Oh, okay. All right. I thought every episode <laughs> they would flip tables. I, I thought that oh, was Oh, I w- that'd be great. That'd be great if everyone <laughs> they they always just had a table sitting there and they're like, "Are you going to flip it? Flip it." No, but the, the it just cracks me up that anytime anybody has some kind of thing, they then I mean I'm a, I know it's the producers telling them like go talk like go yeah. try to fix it go. without question. But they're yeah. always like, can I just can we just have a like talk like can I just yeah. check in with you? And it's like who yeah. Does? <laughs> like, well, I mean, y'all are just and, starting so much shit. It's and and producers it's fun to watch because I know that it's not my life, and I'm like ugh, yeah. y'all are gross. Yeah. Stay and again, 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 I'm not above it. Esmeralda, look, uh, it's summer. And you know what that means? Three nights a week, I watch fucking Big Brother religiously. Yeah. Three nights How? a week. I am still, I still don't understand <laughs> Big Brother. Oh, man, it's awesome. Because, like, <laughs> and, and they, I wa- so wait, what do they do in that house? They are do, in do the they house. give them stuff to oh, do? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's all kinds of contests and battles and challenges. And then they, you know, someone is voted head of household. They put up two people who are going to be evicted at the end of the week. And those two people fight for the power of veto to get them off the block. And, you know, and and then you can, you can, there's cameras on them 24 hours a day. And I'm a geek. I watched at two o'clock in the morning. I'll watch the live feeds on Paramount Plus (laughs) uh, where you can watch from six different cameras. Uh, You know, you know, can switch around from room to room and watch what's happening live. Um, I am a total, I don't give a shit. I, and, and again, you know, you know, like me not watching the, uh, the, uh, the, the housewives is not being pretentious. It's just, I, I fucking watch big brother. <laughs> yeah. It's just not your thing, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the fun about, um, reality TV is that there's so much yeah. that if you don't like one, you can find, you'll find one that you like. Yep. yep. They have, there's a free channel. I forget what, I think it's like True TV that they have made, like they've made a free channel oh, yeah. for the no. people who, who don't want to pay cable. But it has a bunch of just reality TV about like people digging for gold. Right. Uh, Like with big old machines. You know which one my dad um, likes? You know which one my dad which likes? One? Uh, uh, it's on, A&E's got a bunch of them too. A&E's got a yeah. shitload of them. Uh, my dad likes the pawn st- shop ones. But oh, he, stars. he yeah. loves those. Like, there's like five of those. He yeah. loves the goddamn parking ticket one. The show where... <laughs> I think people, Parking Wars? But yeah, that's it. Parking people Wars. People are like... Oh, my God. Straight my, up getting into these people's faces. My dad could watch that for... I go over there and I visit them. And my dad's like, Parking Wars is on! And we'll watch like... <laughs> and he's just all excited because he can watch five hours of people getting pissed off yeah, that they got a they parking ticket. Yeah, they always do ticket. marathons. They always yeah, do marathons. Absolutely, man. And it's my dad, God bless him. His he, you know, we all have sort of our weaknesses, you know. Like one of my weaknesses is definitely Big Brother. My dad, parking ticket village or whatever the hell it's called. My dad's all yeah. over it. I started watching one uh where they make knives. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking. <laughs> 
It's great. It's great. It's fucking great. I know. I've watched it. It's great. It's, yeah, competition Yes. making knives. Yes, you're right. Oh, God damn it. Oh, listen, we're running out of time. Let's save that, okay? Because we'll By do way, more. It's called Forged in Fire. That's Forged in Fire. That's exactly right. And that show rules. Okay. We got it. We have so to speak. Speak, speaking of my dad, we got to get him here to tell a joke. Uh, yes, but ho- yes. hold on to that, Esmeralda. Oh on Friday, we'll pick up right where we left off on the goddamn Making Knives show. <laughs> I'm just like, how? Where did they yeah, find all these people? I, and you know what? Why am I watching it? Why is it awesome? <laughs> I don't. Well, it's because they, th- they then throw the knives. Right. I don't care. It was so. awesome. All right. Hold on. <laughs> Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. No, Carrie, and I you gotta move. Love Nick you gotta show. move. My dad's in yeah. Get out of the way, Carrie. All right, here we go. It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. Oh, yes! Here we go! That's right. So, when my dad's not watching Parking Ticket Wars, he likes to tell yes. jokes. Oh, <laughs> uh, God, Forged in Fire. we got to talk about that exclusively next time. Friday. I need Just, to. I'll need to look up like all these weirdos, like these very offshoot, offshoot reality. Let's do that. I, me too. I'll do that too. And I'll, we'll look up like A and E offshoot weird reality shows, and we'll jump. That'll be yeah. our folk. That'll be our jump off point on Friday. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right, here, here's my dad. Uh, you ready to tell a joke, Dad? Yes. You're shaking your head. Yes. Okay. Recently, I was told I was colorblind. Just came out of the orange. <laughs> Wait. What? <laughs> I don't get it. Hold on. Wait, Wait, let me. Hey, Dad, why don't you repeat that? Recently, I was told I was colorblind. Just came out of the orange. (laughs) You can't tell. I don't. You can't tell blue from orange. It came out of the orange, not blue. Instead of coming out of the blue, it came out of the orange. Oh. He can't can't tell the difference between. (laughs) I didn't. I'm literally thinking he's coming out of an orange or something. And I'm he like, can't, he's colorblind. How? He can't tell the difference between blue and orange. So he gets the, <laughs> out of the orange instead of the Got blue. Got it. That was a thinker. That I'll one give took you me asthma. a minute. I'll give you asthma. <laughs> all right. All right. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. He'll do it again. By I the way, Carrie Russell, she was laughing. I love Nick's show. She got it. She got it. You know, yeah, she got it first. She heard it earlier, and she was still like, it's still hilarious. Oh, man. All right. God, that's funny that you didn't get that. That's exquisite. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I'm trying to think, like, how do orange, how do you come out of right. an orange? No, you were thinking too much, man. It was pretty... Yeah, too, I was going too far. You were going too deep, when, man. Yeah. Oh, God, I can't wait to, I can't, t- I can't wait till my dad hears this. He's going to laugh his ass off. What do you, so anyway. <laughs> All right, well, th- my thanks to my dad for telling a joke that confounded Esmeralda. Uh- <laughs> so I love all these uh, these reality shows. Hey, not, hey by the not, way. Not thinkers, so. Before, before we get out of here, Esmeralda, did Colin listen mm-hmm. to the last episode with the driving stuff? I don't think he did. Okay, good. Right. I just, all right. Let's move on. I'll uh, let you know when. Uh, okay, yeah. please. Please <laughs> let me know. Uh, okay. I'm sure you'll hear about it. <laughs> 
Oh, man. Hey, thank you for being a part of the podcast, everybody. If you want to leave us a voicemail, we encourage it, 773-417-6948. Email nickdpodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Jason Skaggs, thank you, buddy, for everything that you do. Rate and review us on every single platform out there. Radiomisfits.com, the home of tons of great uh, podcasts, including us. Be a sponsor. Advertise on our podcast. Tons of people listen to this. Contact us at sales at radiomisfits.com. And uh, on Friday, Alex Winter will be joining us. That's right. From Lost Boys and Bill and Ted. He will be part of the Flashback Horror Convention weekend, August 5th through the 7th. And remember, August 6th, Esmeralda and I will be co-hosting a live edition of the Nick T Podcast on stage at the Hyatt, August 6th, Saturday afternoon. Get your tickets at flashbackweekend.com. And uh, thanks to everybody. Thanks to Ed, my main man. Uh, who's doing all of the tech work and editing and stuff of the episodes in Texas. He's in Texas, and it's very hot. Oh. It's very hot. He, the last time I talked to him, yeah. he said it was like 112 or something. Oh, no. Yeah. So, anyway, thanks to Ed for braving the braving the heat and editing and putting together this, these episodes. So, there you go. Oof. All right. All right, Esmeralda, we will talk to you next time. Yeah. All right, I'll everybody. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back on Friday for uh, episode 56 of the Nick D Podcast, Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thank you. The wind is right on me.